Welcome to the Proclaim podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. Welcome to the Proclaim podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation today. I'm here with Daniel Ramos, who has a wealth of experience in a very short period of time as a disciple. Uh, As someone who has grown up here in our Archdiocese of Vancouver, he's received a ton of experience through movements uh, and seminary and um, experiences in different dioceses. And so um, I'm excited about this conversation. So thank you, Daniel, for joining us uh, on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, Daniel, you've uh, you grew up here in Vancouver, and uh, before we get into some of our items for discussion, tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like you said, I, I grew up in here in the Archdiocese of Vancouver. Um, St. Patrick's Vancouver is my home parish. So I went to elementary and high school there. Um, yeah, that, that was that was home for me. Um, and basically up until I was, uh, I guess, in my early 20s, um, that was home. That's where I went to Mass. And then eventually I ended up joining seminary, which led me out of Vancouver uh, for about six years. I was, I was outside of the diocese. Um, and that's where I got a lot of my experience with, with the mission, with evangelization, um, and just this past summer, I actually moved back to Vancouver and back at St. Pat's, uh, trying to trying to see where I fit, trying to see what the Lord is doing. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm back here with the Archdiocese. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about how um, you've encountered Jesus in your life. Yeah, so um, I, having grown up Catholic, I, I, you know, I kind of did the, the usual going to Mass, staying with my family my whole life. And uh, as I said, I received Catholic education my whole life. But it wasn't until uh, my early 20s when I was in university that I really had that, that adult conversion that kind of brought me into, into intentional discipleship. And it happened through um, the Ministry of Catholic Christian Outreach, CCO. And uh, basically up until that time, um, my faith was important, but it was just uh, one priority among many. Uh, you know, so, so sometimes other things took, uh, took precedence over my faith. Sometimes my faith was good. Uh, and, and and more important, but generally speaking, my faith was just another piece in the big puzzle of my life. Um, now, when I, in my early twenties, I, I encountered CCO, and uh, I was starting to I started to be introduced to this idea that I could know Jesus in a personal way. Now, first, when I when I first heard that, I thought, yeah, of course I know that, right? Like I I've, I've known that Jesus loves me, blah blah blah, all that stuff since I was like five years old, right? And and I thought that what I had at the time was a personal relationship with Jesus, because you know I prayed, I went to church, I try to follow the rules, try to be good, right? I thought that that's what it entailed. Um, but when I, when I really started to ex- experience and, and learn about what that actually means, uh, particularly as I was being kind of mentored, I guess, by, by my faith study leaders on campus, I started to realize that a personal relationship meant a personal relationship, you know, a, a real relationship with Jesus. And so uh, what, through, through my journey, as I started to really enter into that relationship, uh, all these things about my faith, about the Catholic faith that I was experiencing before, like going to mass and, um, you know, receiving the sacraments and uh, praying, all that stuff all of a sudden took this new dynamism that I'd never known was even, I, I didn't know was possible basically. And uh, that personal relationship with Jesus really brought my faith to a whole new level that, um, you know, where, where, where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the Proclaim movement, we are inspiring, inviting disciples to share Jesus in their homes and in their communities. And in a certain sense, we're also inviting these disciples to consider what Pope Francis calls living out, living a, uh, and being a missionary disciple. Mm-hmm. So, in your own words, tell us what uh, mis- living a missionary disciple uh, looks like. Yeah, I think uh, you know one of the one of the best definitions I've heard of, of what a missionary disciple is 
uh, I, I forget where I read it, but somebody said that uh, a disciple of Jesus is someone who is willing to mess up his schedule to encounter Jesus. And a missionary disciple is someone who's willing to mess up his schedule so that another person will encounter Jesus. And, and I, love the, I love the simplicity of that definition, right? It's just a, a missionary disciple is someone who, first of all, has encountered Jesus in a powerful way. Um, someone who has been transformed by a, a personal encounter with Jesus to the point where um, the natural response is to, is to tell people about it, right? And, and I think that's, that's what it means, at least in my, in, from what I experienced, that's what it means to be a missionary disciple is to, to be so, uh, so moved by what the Lord has done in my life that all I want to do is share share with people about it and and hope and pray that they have the same experience, right? Um, and and so I think in in my case right now, um, having just moved back to Vancouver, I haven't found um, I guess a, an official place where I'm, where a ministry that I'm called to be a missionary disciple in. But I think one place that the Lord has really been been moving in my life um, as I was living away from Vancouver, um, I really noticed that that the Lord was putting very specific names on my heart. Uh, people that I knew in Vancouver, some of them some high school friends, some of them some family members. And and uh, kind of just the Lord putting their names on my heart to uh, to pray for and to really pray for for their their conversion. Um, and as I was away from from the city, uh, that was kind of the extent of, of my mission. You know, I couldn't really engage with them as much. So I, I felt like, hey, right now my place is to pray. Now that I've moved back to Vancouver, uh, the Lord is really stirring that up and, and and opening up opportunities to uh, to reinvest in these relationships um, and and to see how he wants to move in these people's lives. Um, I think of I think of one perfect example. Um, I have a, a cousin of mine. Uh, obviously, I've I've known her my whole life because we're cousins. And um, as I was in seminary, I I for some reason I I kept sensing the Lord was was putting her name in my heart to pray for. And you know I know her whole family and I pray for her family, but particularly for her, the Lord was saying pray for her, pray for her. Um, I didn't know why, and I was kind of just praying for her journey. And um, since I've been back, I've been back for two months, and um, somehow, without me really starting it, we've we've had a ton of of spiritual conversations. Hmm. Um, like I, I I can't even say how they how they begun, but we found ourselves talking about about the faith and me sharing my testimony. Um, she's she's asking me questions about um, you know what does it mean to be in a personal relationship with Jesus and you know, we've known each other for our whole lives. We've never had these conversations before. Um, and so for me, it was like, man, okay, Lord, I think this is kind of the mission field that you're, you're calling me to be a missionary disciple in right now is, is my, my certain um, circles of influence, if, if you will. And I think, um, I think all of us are called to that kind of mission field to a certain extent, right? Uh, our, our circles of influence. So, Yeah, thank you for sharing that example. I think that's something very relevant for our Proclaim audience, as we have so many people in our lives that we're close to, whether it's family members, friends, colleagues, um, whatever, uh, you know, high school friends, like you mentioned, and we have a heart for them. We, we desire goodness for them. We just want the best for their lives. And having known and having experienced the love of Jesus, we know that there is something more that can come through um, getting to know Jesus and getting to know that love. But at the same time, uh, you know, I'm thinking about this, and I think some of our listeners might be thinking that uh, those spiritual conversations comes with, I don't know what you would call it, baggage or sure, like, yeah, you know, yeah. like context. So, you know, I'm imagining you and your cousin at like, you know, family gatherings and like the way in which you guys might have interacted before and the storyline that animated like the way in which you interacted that could have felt like, I don't know, barriers or 
um, ways that could limit the conversation. So tell us a little bit more of, of course, and respecting like your story and all that, just sure. more of like the context that those conversations would have come up in. Yeah, well, it, it's, it, I, I totally agree with you. Um, of course, it's, I think in particular with family, there, there's a whole new dynamic, right? Because, you know, you grow up together and you, you know each other in a totally different sense. Um, yeah, with this particular cousin of mine, uh, like I said, I, I didn't initiate a lot of these conversations. Um, obviously, the the Lord initiated it and he's making it happen. But but uh, in terms of like the two of us, like she was the one kind of approaching me with some of these questions. And obviously part of it with her knowing that I'm really into my faith and I, I, just, I was in the seminary, um, she felt a little more free to ask these questions. But I did notice actually all these conversations that we're having, um, we have them between the two of us, like, you know, on the side or, or we're messaging each other. But anytime we're in the bigger family context, like we don't really talk about this stuff because it's, it's not, um, you know, it takes on a different sense when, when everyone's around. Right. And I think, I think there's a particular wisdom in that, um, that a lot of, uh, a lot of the mission that we're called to evangelization, a lot of it happens on a one-on-one -on -one level, right. Um, mm -hmm. that, that, that intimate kind of conversation and sharing. Um, so, so a lot of our, our interaction happens when we're not with family, when we're not in the bigger, in the bigger context. And I think, uh, I think that's there's an intentionality to that that the, the Lord is really working on. They say, yeah, I want you to invest on a, in a one-on-one -on -one relationship, and that's where um, kind of the the real the real progress is made, if you will. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think a couple of principles that we can take um, that I'm taking out of your story is one, like listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Like these names, these people that we love, they're going to uh, you know come to mind at some point, or we might take the opportunity to start praying for people and uh, putting them down on paper or, you know, having their names written on our hearts to pray for them fervently for an openness of the Holy Spirit, for the grace in their lives. Uh, that can, uh, that's a huge part of being a missionary disciple. It's not outwardly active. It's something that happens interiorly. It happens in our own prayer life and in our own journeys. And that's a big part of living out the missionary discipleship. The second thing that comes that I think is encouraging is um, sometimes we can seek opportunities to start conversations and then sometimes by God's grace, they just come to you. Yeah. And um, you could have easily uh, skirted the conversation and maybe just said something, you know, really surfacey maybe um, because spiritual conversations are hard to have sometimes, mm -hmm. especially if we don't know what to say or we, we're not used to them. You know, I know you, I know your background and, you know, your experience. I'm sure you've had a variety of different spiritual conversations, but you, you took the opportunity as it came and allowed the Holy Spirit to move in that conversation. And I'm sure that, um, as you continue in, in, in these, these moments of, of discussion, uh, there's more, like, you know, there's going to be more conversations. There'll be more invitation to consider relationship with God and, and faith and all of the different questions that your cousin is asking. Yeah. I, I, I just to respond to that, um, I, I will say like, you know, I'm speaking here as someone who, uh, is definitely still learning all the stuff. Like I, I, I struggle just like the next person. And so in particular with, with these names that I feel like the Lord has been putting on my heart for the past number of years, um, right now, as I'm back in Vancouver, uh, connecting, reconnecting with these people, uh, I feel like it's it's a new challenge because in the previous years, you know, the Lord's been putting these names on my heart, and I had the, um, you know, I was geographically separated, right? So I had a reason to say, you know, what? I'm just going to pray for these people because I can't really connect with them. Now that I'm here, it's like I have no excuse, right? So so it it does have it's there's that balance of like you know praying for these people and letting letting the Lord work on them, but also there's there's an active part to to the mission, right? Like I am in, invited and and being called to 
to you know have the conversation that the Lord is asking me to have. I'm, I'm called to action, right? The mission is is both interior, but also we are called to some sort of action. And so um you know still still very much learning that. Uh, so I, I think in particular with my some of my high school buddies that I, I feel like the Lord is calling me to to really invest in. Um, it's yeah, it, it it takes some uh, stepping out in faith and, and taking risks to have some of these spiritual conversations. Absolutely. <clears throat> Uh, Daniel, you've had quite a varied and ex- sort of, um, what would I call it? It's like you've had experiences with different ecclesial movements, organizations, parishes uh, that have um, shaped your way of of seeing evangelization and mission. Um, mm-hmm. Namely, I think you mentioned it's like your family was part of Couples for Christ mm-hmm. the, as a movement. Uh, you encountered uh, CCO, Catholic Christian Outreach, as a young adult, then you uh, you were part of the seminary with the Companions of the Cross um, that mm-hmm. are based uh, in Ottawa, Correct. but but Correct. I think you did seminary um, in Detroit for yep. a little while, yep. and you've also spent time with um, uh, Father James Mallon at his parish, or I guess he, I don't I think he was already he had moved on from he that did, parish, yeah. but uh, the parish that kind of was the the story like the the found the foundation of the story of divine renovation, and then of course the birthing of the ministry of divine renovation. Mm-hmm. You were at Saint Benedict for a period of time, Correct. so um, man, there's there's so much <laughs> I I would love to just start you know digging yeah. into and unpacking, but. You know, what are some of the things that you've learned through experience in, in these different communities? Sure. Yeah, I, it, it's funny when you, you know, when you say it all in one piece like that, I'm just like, man, you know, I'm so blessed, right? Like I, I didn't make any of that happen. The Lord kind of made that happen to say that I've been involved with all these groups and all these ministries. Yeah, it's a real blessing. But um, yeah, I guess just to, to say a few things about maybe some of the principles that I've really taken away about evangelization, uh, in particular, so the this the Companions of the Cross is a community of it's a religious community of priests that I was a part of for for a number of years, um, and the primary charism of the community is evangelization. So actually, a lot of my a lot of my formation about evangelization, what it is, how to do it, uh, came through my years with with this community. And I think uh, one of the most important principles that I've learned, which I think really is a starting point in evangelization, is that evangelization is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit, and and that needs to be the starting point, I think, for us missionary disciples. Because um, for one, it's the truth, and and secondly, if we don't start there, um, our mission is really going to be it's probably going to flop, right? Because because it really, it's the Holy Spirit that that converts. It's the Holy Spirit that moves hearts. And so, the uh, the founder of the community, uh, the late Father Bob Bedard, he used to speak about uh, what he called the Lord's dynamic. Uh, it's kind of this this three step. Um, summary of what evangelization is so he used to say that the first step is is our job we we proclaim the the gospel message in a way that is simple in a way that elicits a response second step is the listener actually responds and makes some sort of commitment and the third step the holy spirit goes to work and, and really it's that third step um that that really bears the fruit of conversion right our job our our job as a, as missionary disciples is just to just to proclaim what we know Right, is to proclaim our experience and to proclaim um, the invitation for the person to to respond to Jesus. The rest is up to the is up to the listener and up to the Holy Spirit, right? And I think there's a there's something really, I guess, um, I don't know, reassuring about that. Like, okay, it's not my job to convert the people around me. It's not my job to to let them encounter the Lord. Right, that's the Lord's job. Um, so I think that that was a key piece for me in really understanding 
what it means to be a missionary disciple, really understanding what it means to evangelize is, is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, not to do the Holy Spirit's work, but to cooperate with what he's already doing. Yeah, that's a key distinction that we're cooperating with that work. So we trust that and know principally that the Holy Spirit is the principal agent of evangelization, that he converts hearts, but it doesn't mean we sit back and watch it happen. Like he, mm-hmm. he invites, um, God invites us to be actively engaged in, in particular works of, the, of evangelization, pro- proclamation, invitation, and through that, the Holy Spirit works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think flowing from that, uh, one of the, the practices that I really took away from my time with the Companions of the Cross is this practice of, of praying with people on the spot. You know, I think, I think as Catholics, we're so good at saying, hey, uh, you know, I'll pray for you. And then you kind of walk away. And, and sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes I'll pray for the person, sometimes I forget and never really pray for the person. Um, but one of the practices I learned with the Companions of the Cross is praying for people on the spot. Like, you know, we're having a spiritual conversation. At the end of the conversation, you just say, hey, you, would you like to pray? Can I pray with you? Uh, most people say yes. And, you know, you, some the odd time people will people reject you. But I think that there's something so key about tagging prayer onto a spiritual conversation or to, um, you know, to, to, to that work of, of trying to lead someone to, to know Jesus. Because again, it puts the work back on the Holy Spirit, right? I can share my testimony. I can, um, you know, share with you about, I don't know, the truth of the faith. But at the end of the day, let's turn back to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is going to pierce your heart, not my words. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so I, I, I try to do that. Uh, I think it's, it's a key piece to, to being a missionary disciple is, is being, being comfortable and normal uh, with praying with people. Let's unpack that a little bit because sure. I would love for our listeners and for myself to learn um, some of the mechanics of praying with people. Because, like you said, I think it's it's not a particular skill that's um, that's commonly uh, expressed and experienced uh, within our, our Catholic communities. At least I, you know, I don't I don't um, uh, experience it too much. But hmm. I've been the recipient of people who have prayed with me, and I've learned how to pray with others. But um, but it was a learned skill, mm-hmm. and certainly, like I've experienced the grace that comes through all of that. So let's let's talk about the mechanics of that. Like, what was it like for you to start praying with people? How did you learn how to pray with people? And like, what are some of like you know the things you'd love to share with others who would you know who are listening and saying, "Oh man, I've never prayed with someone, but you know, I'm I hear what you're saying, and I, I you know I'd like to learn." Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess to start, what was it like when I first started doing it? Well, it was weird. It was weird, which right. I which I imagine a lot of listeners right now are probably saying the same thing. Like it's weird to pray with people on the spot. I think in particular, because our our experience of perhaps seeing anyone pray with another person is if maybe it was when a priest is praying with you know with with their with the people of their parish or something. Um, so it was weird. It was weird, and you know it, you you kind of stumble on your words and whatever. I mean that's at least that's that was what my experience was like. Um, and really, I mean this is gonna sound super cliche, but the only way to get good at it is to do it right like i i honestly i've gotten i'm, I'm comfortable enough now to, to pray with people on the spot because i've just done it so many times and and i still still fumble on my words i still you know feel awkward at times but i feel less awkward now just because i've, I've gotten i've gotten good from practicing it right and so uh, i think for for a lot of a lot of us who aren't comfortable with this kind of practice unfortunately <laughs> the solution is just to do it just to just to try it out um, I don't know if that's kind of a, a satisfactory response, but <laughs> well, I think uh, in in um, in my own experience, I remember 
watching others or being part of um, of groups that prayed with others and um, watching others do that was a huge uh, learning um, mm-hmm. a learning th- uh, moment for me. Uh, and then, yeah, I remember the first few times being invited to pray with others. And yeah, you stumble over the words, the palms are sweaty, yeah, like yeah. wondering if you're going to say the wrong thing and, and all that. And ultimately it comes down to just the intention of your heart. Like you're, you're desiring to, uh, to intercede for someone who's right in front of you and you're approaching God who is, who is, who is waiting for um, us to ask him to just pour down love and mm-hmm. pour down the graces that he wants to give. And um, yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree that uh, it's it's something you step into, and it takes a little bit of time to kind of like you know get get comfortable with it, but but definitely necessary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's uh, I'm, I'm so encouraged to hear your experience with the companions. I know yeah. we could kind of you know really stick with that because you that was a that was a good part of your your adult life so far, right? Mm-hmm. Six years in seminary. Um, but let's move to a couple of the other um, movements, organizations, communities that you've been a sure. part of. Like, yeah, well, I, I already mentioned the the Companions of the Cross. Yeah, or sorry, yeah, Companions of the Cross, and then I also mentioned the um, Catholic Christian Outreach CCO. Yes. Um. So, so I basically had my my adult conversion with with CCO, and and what I really took away from from my time with that ministry, and I'm still kind of involved a little bit in that ministry, but the key principle I took away from from them from that organization is the the centrality of a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, I know we we hear this a lot, particularly when we're in the in the context of evangelization, and really in in, in any kind of faith context. But but for me, um, that was like the that was a game changer, right? For me, like I, you know, I I went to growing up, I, I went to mass, I, I did all the sacrament stuff, and I prayed here and there, and I was generally living a a decent life. But it was really getting into a personal relationship with Jesus that that transformed everything. And so, whenever I'm 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 trying to evangelize or engage in the mission, for me, that's always at, at the forefront of my mind, right? I can I can talk to someone and tell them about the Ten Commandments. I can I can tell them about the Catechism. I can, you know, speak about Scripture. At the end of the day, all of that only takes life if there's a personal encounter with the Lord, with Jesus. And so, I think that's. Um, that that's always at the at the forefront of my mind when I'm trying to engage in someone in, in conversation, uh, trying to trying to engage them in, particularly in a spiritual conversation. Is okay, has this person personally encountered Jesus? Um, and if not, that's where we got to start. Um, and that and that's really what the what the charisma is all about, right? It, it's that we are made for a relationship uh, with the Father, and and Jesus is is our way to that relationship. Um, everything else only makes sense, only kind of takes on personal relevance because of that personal relationship. Um, so I think C- CCO really, really taught me that. And I, I got to say, like, having received, uh, you know, Catholic education for 13 years, for some reason, I only really kind of learned that in my early 20s when I got to university. Um, and it was it was such a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And uh, that's one of the key principles I've taken away with my experience and time with, with Catholic Christian Outreach. And they do that so well with some tools namely the CCO Discovery Study, uh, the Ultimate Relationship Booklet. But they also create and offer different opportunities to encounter Jesus through their conferences and events and and Mm -hmm. different things. And of course, the centrality there is bringing people into relationship with Jesus, bringing people into that decision point where they can say, I've placed 
Jesus at the center of my life. And I think that um, they've learned to do that through just sort of a laser-focused mission that's so clear in their mind and um, and allows them to stay uh, on top of the necessity and the um, the primacy of evangelization. And, uh, you know, just like you, I was part of the Catholic education uh, system here in, in our archdiocese, and there was so much richness that, that, that I experienced through it, uh, whether it was, you know, community and mass and you know, just all the different things. And, and sometimes I think like, because there was so much there, the experience overall can be overwhelming. And that centrality could somehow, you know, get lost in the message, mm-hmm. if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now let's, I'd love to hear a little bit of um, St. Benedict and, yeah. you know, your time yeah. with the Divine Renovation Parish, if you will, because we've had Father James here, you know, he was on podcast a couple episodes ago Divine Renovation is a, you know, uh, just a an inspiring ministry that is sharing and challenging parishes to become missional in its in its um, in its in culture and its nature. And it started at Saint Benedict. It mm-hmm. started with Father James um, having a vision for his parish, and of course, Saint Benedict now has another pastor and mm-hmm. um, a solid leadership team. It's it's developed and moved forward. And you got to spend was it a year? Uh, ten months. Ten, ten months, months yeah. uh, in the like in the space, in the culture, yeah. and the activity, and all of that. And yeah, just share us share with us some of that experience and maybe some of the key principles you learned there. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so I was I was blessed enough to spend ten months uh, last year at, at Saint Benedict as part of my seminary formation, actually, because. Uh, priests of the Companions of the Cross are now um, running that parish. And so it, it, it was great. I think one of the key words that you you just used in describing them is, is the word culture. Um, over there, the, the reason things are, are really booming and, and things are, you know, really alive is because there's a mission culture in the parish. Um, everybody, well, I mean, I shouldn't say everybody, but most of the parish understands uh, the purpose of the parish, right? Like as a parish, they know that they exist to to evangelize, to be to be on the mission, to to bring people to a personal encounter with Jesus, and um, I think I think that that's one of the key principles that I took away from my time there is we need to as Catholics as Christians we need to understand why we exist, right? Uh, part of this again I, I took from the Companions of the Cross too. They're very good at explaining this that you know as 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 a church we do a lot of great things right we do a lot of outreach a lot of helping the poor you know healing the sick and running hospitals all that stuff is is great but above and beyond that or maybe head and shoulders above that our number one first calling is to make disciples of all nations that was that was the first kind of instruction we were given as a church and that's why we exist right is to is to evangelize to be to be a a missionary church and so at saint benedict that that's what i experienced there's there's that culture where we as a parish exist uh, to go out. Right? We don't exist for ourselves. And of course, we, we build community, uh, but we build community for the sake of, of going out and, and bringing Jesus to the world. Um, and so I think, I think that was a, a really, really powerful experience. Um, you know, we, I think here in the Archdiocese, we have some beautiful parishes, some great parish communities. Um, but I think a lot of, you know, a lot, it's the same experience in a lot of the world, I'm sure, where our parishes um, still need to undergo that 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 missionary transformation, right? To to really undergo to to take on a missionary culture. Mm-hmm. 
I've heard um, a few comments around St. Benedict in contrast to our parishes here in the Archdiocese of Vancouver. And it, I guess the conversation sometimes can come across um, or, or start to speak to the difference in the context that St. Benedict's is living versus our parishes here in the Archdiocese. St. Benedict's was sort of an amalgamation of some parishes. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, and, um, they sort of moved into this massive, beautiful building with mm-hmm. all kinds of facilities. And um, one huge difference that, uh, that St. Benedict's has in contrast to a lot of our parishes here is that they don't have a, an elementary school tied to it. And mm-hmm. so I'm just kind of throwing all these things out to say sure. that, you know, our archdiocese, the parishes that, that we live in um, and are part of the communities that we're part of, our communities look different and we have different contexts, whether it's, you know, smaller parishes, larger ones, schools, not schools. Um, and uh, and the culture can be animated by that. But, sure. you know, are there some th- sort of real tangible things that you might have seen in St. Benedict's that are transferable things that our parishes and our communities can learn from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one thing that comes to mind, um, and it ties in with this culture of mission, over at St. Benedict's, um, Alpha is is the main tool that right. they use. And, and when I say main tool, I really mean the main tool for the parish, the leadership team, um, you know, the, the parishioners, they understand that that Alpha is is the main thing. It's the kind of the entry point to everything else. Um, and so I guess this was still under under Father James Mallon. He introduced uh, this, almost this, this kind of policy that, that in order for you to serve in the parish, you needed to go through Alpha, um, everybody. And it was like, you know, the people who wanted to serve in the choir, the people who wanted to uh, to help run certain ministries, like everybody goes through Alpha. And I know... Um, the uh, a parish out in, in Detroit, Michigan, um, Our Lady Good Council, who uh, Father James Ricardo used to be a pastor, of, they did the same thing. It was like everybody goes through Alpha, and and it, that that's a fruit of the parish understanding that we exist uh, to be on mission. We exist mm-hmm. to you know to, to be to be you know to evangelize, and um, I think that that's that's one thing that I I'd love to see at all parishes. Um, not you know, it doesn't have to be Alpha, but I mean. If if evangelization was the number one top priority, um, from which all other ministries flow, from which all other um, out, outreach initiatives flow, um, that I think would 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 transform our parishes in in a huge way. Um, I think in, in I would say in in most parishes, evangelization evangelization is a priority, uh, but maybe just one among many. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think until we realize, like, no, it's actually the top priority, and we need to make it the top priority um, will kind of be hindered in in having a, a renewed parish culture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay uh your family and to a, a certain extent you were also involved in the the large movement couples for christ yeah and yeah. i'm a, i'm i've been an admirer of couples for christ from afar i haven't had too much experience like directly mm-hmm. uh, but i'm so impressed by how they uh, build communities in the yeah. home, yeah. and I think that's a huge part of um, proclaims invitation uh, to the archdiocese to proclaim Jesus in the home and communities, right? Parishes and home mm-hmm. uh, are proximate periphery. You know the places that we live and work and play. Uh, tell us about um, some of the things that you've learned from Couples for Christ, and some of the things that could be encouraging to our proclaim members. Yeah, I think you. you you said it perfectly. Community, community was really my my greatest experience with that with the Couples for Christ community. Um, so so growing up, my parents were a part of Couples for Christ. 
Um, and then as I kind of went into my teenage years, I got involved with Youth for Christ. And a lot of my good friends right now are, are friends I made through through that ministry. Um, so yeah, like you said, the, the way, I guess, for those who don't know, the way Couples for Christ kind of operates is it, it's a it's a, a big kind of ministry, but everyone's broken up into smaller ministries or smaller, I guess, small groups called households. Mm-hmm. And so these these household groups would meet on a weekly basis. I don't know, maybe maybe three to four to five couples um, and they would kind of have a, their own prayer meeting and, and they would swap uh, kind of host. Like mm-hmm. you, you would do it at different houses uh, every week or so. And uh, I think my experience of, of church outside of church what was that's what I saw here, right? right? It was that church doesn't have to be um, confined in the church building that that we go to mass to, at every Sunday, right? Um, and that's that's I mean that was my experience of of faith in my family, uh, and and I think here's what I'll say: I think that some sort of uh, outside of parish community like that is necessary for for us to really experience a, a penetration of of the faith outside of the parish um i mean it, it it's difficult to really experience faith outside of the church if i don't have community outside of the church if, if you know what i mean like i don't know if that that's making that's making sense but uh, we need people to journey with outside of the parish in order for us for our faith to really penetrate every aspect of, of our lives and i know couples for christ does this well they they, they do these small groups but i know that there's a culture growing in even here in, in parishes in the Archdiocese of Vancouver, the, the small group culture, uh, mm-hmm. trying to develop small groups that are outside of the parish to kind of become these small communities out of the larger community of the parish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but what it sounds like is that um, faith life and to a certain extent, like the parish community is not just sort of a slice of the pie in our life. It's, it's everything. Yes. And yeah. so when we're able to integrate something like a household, a prayer group, a connect group into our lives, which is in our homes, sharing meals together, introducing our kids to each other mm-hmm. or, you know, or our spouses and, and starting to spend time doing life together and also um, growing in faith together, that, that sounds just a lot more like... Um, you know, the journey of discipleship, Mm -hmm. right? It's not like I'm going to spend two hours uh, a week in this, you know, Bible study in a parish center and my one hour on Sunday. And that's kind of like my, my discipleship pie and everything else, you know, doesn't, don't touch it. Right. Like uh, it's, it's like, that's other aspects of my life. But I think what you're saying is like, there's, there's an integration, there's, um, yeah, there's something that's life-giving, and um, and I think it also uh, speaks to, you know, what Pope Francis invites us into, which is the, um, you know, the practicing the art of accompaniment, mm-hmm. like spending time with others, right? Or as St. Benedict has said, we have to practice the art of living, like, and that's like living as disciples is not just something that's uh, confined to a couple hours or to a physical space. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like our, our faith was always meant to be our life like faith was was meant to equate with life right it wasn't wasn't meant to be just a part of life um and i i think the for one it, that that begins at conversion right so to really have an authentic kind of experience of the lord that that's the beginning of my faith penetrating every aspect of my life and then that's where after you kind of have that experience that's where community starts to help you grow in that discipleship uh to grow in in 
really letting your faith penetrate your work life and your social life and um you know your your family life um that it's uh that's that's i think that's what discipleship was always meant to be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay <clears throat> um so you've had all this experience with different movements, organizations, and now you're back in the archdiocese. You've spent, um, you know, a number of years out. You're back, and uh, we've been able to hear a little bit of like some of the opportunities that are coming up for you. What you're excited about? Um, what are some of your dreams for our our small little archdiocese here? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I guess my my experience of parish ministry. At least the majority of it is my my experience at St. Benedict last year for 10 months. Um, If I'm dreaming big, I would love for all our parishes to to be as alive as as that parish. Um, And I'm not saying, okay, we all have to replicate St. Benedict at every parish. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. I don't think that's what we're called to do. But at least the the culture of renewal that's happening there and happening at at other parishes that I've encountered, it would be amazing if, if, if that started or if it continued to take place in, in our archdiocese um i you know what one one example comes to mind uh back in 2012 i did a a, a summer mission trip with cco and I, it, I was living actually in halifax at the time for three months doing evangelization ministry in parishes and in the city and uh and i was on fire i i was actually just fresh off a of conversion at the time and so I, I was excited and when i moved back to vancouver um, I just had this, such a, a burning heart for my parish, St. Patrick's, to to kind of blow up. To, and then I remember, I remember si- standing outside at the parking lot, just looking at the church building and just just praying, like, Lord, set this place on fire, right? Make this place uh, like a, like a new Pentecost. And um, and and that, that that vision is still there, right? That 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 desire is still there. And and uh, and and I dream. I I mean, my experience of par- parish is. Is my home parish, right? So my dreams are for my parish, St. Patrick's, to, to be a place where uh, people encounter the Lord, people are are transformed by their encounter with the Lord, and and they're going out and bringing people in, and say, hey, you need to see this thing, you need to you need to experience this this Jesus guy because it's going to change your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think in particular, St. Patrick's is is really on my heart because that 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 particular neighborhood is full of of potential for people who uh, who aren't associated with the parish, but um, the Lord, the Lord can change it in, in a big way. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd love to have a short conversation. Um, that's a little bit off topic from what we've talked about so yeah. far. And it's, um, and it has to do with brotherhood yeah. and friendship and the necessity of, um, of good brothers in mission mm-hmm. and in faith life and, um, and, uh, just how life giving that can be. And, and I know you have some brothers that have been, um, part of your life in all of these d- different communities you've mm-hmm. mentioned it and uh, yeah just kind of speak to that and and that role that um, brothers have played in your life yeah um having experienced intentional community intentional brotherhood i'll make the bold claim that discipleship requires solid community yeah i'm i'm willing to make that claim having experienced that um, in particular during my time with the Companions of the Cross, we live in community and we sh- we share a life together with the other seminarians and, and the priests that are part of the community. And and I really experienced um, the benefits of of having other men to journey with, um, and and both in the mission and and just in in personal growth. I think when I say personal growth, I say you know obviously the the spiritual life 
involves a lot of struggles, right? You know, we're still human and, and there's, a, there's a lot of difficulty in it. And, and there's, so, there's so much help in being able to share that with a brother and say, hey, here's where I'm struggling. Here's where, where I need help. Here's where I need prayer, right? And, and, and my brothers pray for me. Um, and then on a natural level, my brothers give me advice, you know, because the brother I'm speaking with probably went through something similar years ago, or maybe he's going through something similar right now, right? And so uh, I really believe that if we want to grow in our discipleship, um, we need solid community. We need we need brothers. I mean, I say I'm saying brothers because I'm I'm a man, but I'm sure women need sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, just solid people to to be able to journey with, um, and and not just the journey. But I think there's also a benefit in in finding a community, finding a person maybe who is a couple steps ahead of you, almost like a, almost like a mentor, right? Um, like a, a spiritual mentor who's able to to walk with you and to share his or her experience of, of, of what they've gone through when they were in your, in your uh, I guess, in your state in life. And uh, yeah, it, it's, I, I'm a firm believer in, in community. Now, in, in that context, I experienced community kind of uh, in the context of priesthood, in the context of, of uh, ordained ministry. And uh, I know, as I'm still just sharing my vocation, I know that if I'm ever called to be a priest, I need community. I, I wouldn't be able to do priesthood without community. And that's just who I am. I'm sure there are priests who are able to do it and who are doing it right now and are thriving. Um, but I know that if I want to keep growing, if I want to uh, keep embracing the mission that the Lord is calling me to embrace, um, I need brothers to hold me up, brothers mm-hmm. to to support me, brothers to um, encourage me, brothers to keep me accountable even. Like yeah. Accountability, I think, was one of the big pieces of community. It's like I... I'll, I'll say, you know, I'll say I, I'm a missionary. I'll say I want to go out and evangelize, but it's so easy for me to kind of like, you know, hide in the corner and not do it. When I got brothers who are journeying with me and, and keeping me accountable, it's like, okay, hey, yeah, let's, let's, let's do this together. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb and, uh, um, and assume and maybe ask if it's safe to say that like in those first moments of stepping into brotherhood community with others, like, was it really hard? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was. Yeah. And, and, I would say that it's not a, not just in the first moments, like up until the last one when I was <laughs> in my community, there's always difficulties, right? Yeah. And and at the end of the day, it's it's because we're just a bunch of humans, right? Trying to live authentic community. Um, it definitely in the beginning it was it was hard because I wasn't used to living community, right? I was used to because even even in family life, I, I would say my experience of of intentional community was very different from family life. Um, so when I first joined. Uh, when I first joined the Companions of the Cross, I was living in a house of uh, those five of us seminarians and two priests, so a household of seven. And, uh, and we weren't just living together, we, we were sharing a life together. Um, and a lot of it was, was brand new to me. A lot of it was, was super brand new, the experience of kind of, uh, you know, supporting each other, experience of having, um, you know, crucial conversations and, and praying together. All of that was new. And so, yeah, it was very difficult mostly because it required me to uh, first grow in humility mm-hmm. um, and, then, and then just to, to be open enough to share my life with these guys. Like the, the, these guys weren't just my roommates. They were my brothers. Mm-hmm. And, and I needed to live a certain way that reflected that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it invited you to grow in vulnerability, uh, taking risks with your heart and conversations and uh, different aspects of your life. And that over time, uh, relational trust was built. Absolutely. And, yeah. and as that trust grows, then I think the fruits of commu- deep community 
um, starts to show itself. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think the the growth of any community is it corresponds to the degree of vulnerability, degree of openness. If you're if you're closed off and you want to keep to yourself, your community is not going to grow. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm encouraged by that and also challenged because I know it's not easy. And for most of us, we are in parish communities and the invitation to vulnerability, to grow relationally, to increase trust is all ever before us in our, our parish communities. And I think that's my takeaway from our conversation as I take uh, and consider my own parish community. Um, for our Proclaim listeners, is there, you know, you've, you've, been, you've given us a lot of encouragement and your experience uh, and, the, and the wisdom and learnings that you've had, but is there something in particular you might want to just offer as a word of encouragement to our Proclaim listeners? Yeah, I think I'll share a personal word that I feel like the Lord has given me uh, just in this recent month. Um, I, I recently joined um, kind of a, an online conversation with uh, CCO's founder, um, Andre Renier, and, and a few others. And uh, he was talking about kind of the season that we're in as a church. You know, obviously we're in the pandemic and things are pretty crazy. You know, we don't really know where it's going to end up. And, and, you know, there's a temptation for us to think, okay, you know what, let's just kind of hunker down and wait till this passes through and we can go back to normal. And uh, what Andre was talking about, he was saying that right now, this is not a season to, to just sit back and, and wait for things to go normal. He said, this is, this is the season of renewal that, that popes you know, prophesied about, the popes spoke about. This is the season of, of our church kind of going back to the basics and, and getting in touch with our missionary identity. Now, when I heard that, um, I was really fired up. I was like, wow, yeah, like this is not just any other season. Like this season is going to go down in the history books. And and I guess what I want to offer to to those that are listening is that from that conversation, after I took it to prayer, the word that really came to, to my heart was protagonist. That we're in this season of renewal. We're in this season where our church is is almost being being shaken up to to re, you know rediscover our identity. And I'm called to be a protagonist in this season. I'm called to be a, a main player in this season that 100 years from now, they're going to look back and be like, wow, that was a season of renewal in our church. And, and for me, I, I was just so pumped to, to, to know that like the, the Lord has brought me here, particularly to, to this Archdiocese of Vancouver, to, to the place I'm, I'm at right now, to be a protagonist in this season, what, however it's going to look. I'm called to be a key player. Man, I think we're just going to leave it right there. That's the last word. Uh, I'm so encouraged by that, and I'm challenged and invited by the invitation to be a protagonist in the mission in our current reality with pandemic. Uh, Thank you so much for your witness of life, your experiences, and ultimately your encouragement and, um, and your desire and commitment to being a missionary disciple here in our archdiocese. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm pumped to be back in the Archdiocese of Vancouver. It seems like the Lord is really moving here. The Holy Spirit is, is doing something, and I'm, I'm so glad to be a part of it. Amen. So thank you, everyone, for spending the time to listen to our Proclaim podcast. We've got a few more podcast episodes uh, coming up. I'm looking forward to sharing them with you. And if there's anything we can do as a Proclaim movement to help you get on mission and to share Jesus in your homes and communities. We are with you. You can find us at weareproclaimed.com and we are uh, so inspired by all of what you are doing and uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. So thanks very much. Awesome. Thanks.